Welcome to Draft Sickos, the show where we talk everybody from the biggest stars to the deepest sleepers. I am Maxwell Baumbach, and I am joined at this time by the real star of the show, Stephen Gillespie. Stephen, how are you doing today? Maxwell, I'm doing awesome, dude. Uh, we spent a good bit of time before we opened the show. Like we went, we we met on the on our streaming site and everything a little bit beforehand, having a good conversation. Then we're, oh yeah, we got to do this draft show. Um, <laughs> yeah. But before we get into all that, dude, mm-hmm. like, uh, how's everything going with you, brother? It's good. It's good. Yeah, I'm in. I feel like I'm really in the zone right now because we were just talking about our boards and some of the things that we've kind of seen, some guys that we have some feelings about uh, in the draft this year. So we're gonna get to all of our normal segments. We are. Yeah. But we were in the zone. We were. We were yeah. just talking draft. So we kind of want to keep this going. So one thing that we talked about that I think is going to be really interesting, especially with some of the guys that we're going to cover when we get to winners of the week and guys who are on the way up as far as their draft stock goes is so far this year, there's been a lot been made of, you know, week, week class, uh, that, that kind of stuff. I, I don't like to be a Debbie downer. I, I think it's important to like stay positive in our space and like, look at um, ways things can go right for players and what have you. But I do think that this year, we are going to have to break some habits as evaluators as far as what range we're projecting guys in. Cause there's yeah. guys that we've seen that we like that normally, like we were talking about become daddy yet, right. Um, before the show and you did his film recently. You really like what you're seeing. I haven't watched him like super recently. I watched him when we talked about him on the international player spot. Um, but you told me where you had him and it sounded rich, but I think we really have to kind of, move on from the numbers next to the name. Yeah. Uh, because they're going to be guys that in a normal year, maybe that's a mid second guy that this year might be a first round guy. And I think that's something that we're going to have to really keep in mind moving forward. Yeah. And again, you know, we are like the, uh, the draft class apologists, right? Like we, we are, are yeah. con- we're constantly like, there's real talent in this, in this class. And, I think that we're still holding true to that, but I yeah, think I the, the variance within this class, like past a certain point, it's like we were talking again, we were talking about Dottie and, you know, I've been putting his name out to a few other people uh, today and just like, Hey, I've been watching this film. What do you think? And with the excitement of college basketball being back, I, I personally have done this and I'm sure I'm not the only one where kind of tabled the international stuff for a little bit. I want to get into the college basketball grind. And I'm circling back. I'm doing some big board tinkering for No Ceilings uh, Plus. You know, everyone that's got Plus has the link, and they can see this stuff whenever they want, by the way. So this is a really cool feature that we have this year. Mm-hmm. But for those who have been tuning in, I did a lot of tinkering today, and Pacoma Daddy is, like, late first round for me. And I had him in the early second whenever we did our, like, composite boards and stuff like that. But going back and watching the film, I'm like, this guy can dribble – pass and really shoot it right he can do some self-creation he can play off of others and in this class maxwell you know the defense is what it is right now i'm i don't 
and, and this is what's crazy is like I'm not even really hung up about the defense right now. Like he can do multiple great things on the offensive side of the ball. That alone is sliding him into like late first round conversation for me. And I think even in a strong class, like there might be a case that Pacomi is uh, being slept on a, a good bit. But especially in this class, Maxwell, like there's going to be dudes that we that people talk about on their 1.0s that don't get mentioned on their 2.0s and vice versa. Right. And I think that's the reality of where we're at this year. Yeah. And that has been kind of puzzling for me with, with the class kind of being what it is and seeing not the guys have been like bad, but guy, the guys at the top have been a lot more up and down at this point in the season than last year. Um, Yeah. And we talked too about how guy, even guys like Case and Wallace, Anthony Black last year coming in, it's like, well, even if they have like a bad year for what they look like, that's still like a first round pick. There just aren't as many yeah. of those guys this year. Um, and now like the battle that I am playing is when it's going to be mock draft time, a guy like mm. Scotty Middleton, who has had a slow start. Um, yeah. I got to be honest. I So I like Scotty a lot. I had like, like Scotty too. Yeah, I had like a bit of a jump scare moment when I saw how thin he looked on a college floor. Like it was one of those. It's like, ah, oh man. Yeah, yeah. You, I didn't quite look that skinny when you were playing against other high school kids. But uh, a guy like that, I still think is an NBA player eventually. For sure. I don't know that it's this year, but like in a class like this, it's like, dude. Because I believe in him just like long term as a guy who plays his tail off and has some feel and can really shoot and has an awesome shooting track record. Like, do I just take that guy? <laughs> like 14. <laughs> like, do I still do it? Do I still pull the trigger and just say, hey, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna take a year and put you in the G League, but we think you're still the long-term best pro pop prospect. I kind of think you do. I think yeah. there's gonna be a lot of guys that like with the freshmen, I think we may see the opposite of what we saw with the upperclassmen last year. With so many guys, it's like, okay, Coleman Hawkins had a good combine, but he's still going back to college. A guy like Kevin McCullough, whoever just figured was kind of done with college, is coming back to college again. I wonder with the freshmen if we're just going to see guys be like, hey, this thing's so wide open, I'm staying in. Because I yeah. want to go 19th just based on, hey, if it's you know a guy that a team thinks is going to peak the 10th man or me, even if I'm a bit of a gamble, they might just take me. Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really, really interesting. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, shout out to everybody watching live. Um, Maxwell, we got a lot of really good comments, already some good questions about some sickos, you know, John Blackwell out of Wisconsin, not, yeah. a, not a conventional name, uh, looks good. Uh, Owen haven't watched him with a real, I would, what I would call like a scouting eye. Yeah. Like I have seen him on the court, you know, Wisconsin has a few guys, a big AJ store guy, myself, a season is a guy. Uh, that a lot of us at New Ceilings like. So I haven't watched him with the intent like to evaluate. Nolan, yeah. Oh, I was going to say like that Nolan Winter kid, that like 6'10 kid. Yeah. He's 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 got a real shot. Yeah, he's got mm-hmm. a real shot. And, uh, you know, Nick's the streets, you know, salute to you. Uh, he wrote, and I'll, I'll call it up here, said mock drafts will be a headache this year, but fun. Uh, yeah, I think. Um, and I know that this has gotten a lot of buzz on draft Twitter. But the there are parallels, Maxwell, the 2020 class where it's mm-hmm. like anything could happen, you know, yeah. in, in a draft this year. And we've been saying it all season long. This is a great draft class to uh, really test your metal as an evaluator, to really sharpen mm-hmm. your skills and stake your claim on guys that you really feel like could be somebody this year. 
And uh, I, I think that's going to be, I think that that's what's going to make this draft class fun is because you don't have, like, no one's going to, no one's going to do your work for you this year. You know, you got to go and do it yourself. So it's been fun. It has had headaches. I'm not going to lie, but it is fun. And I, and I have uh, really enjoyed this class. Uh, we've got a uh, child meltdown station over here right now. So I'm going right, to, so yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and take this one for you, Maxwell. Uh, shout out to all the moms out there as always holding it down. Y'all are the real MVPs to quote Kevin Durant, but we'll open this one up with the uh, winners of the week. And uh, again, for those who are new to what we've been doing at draft sickos, I don't blame you because this is our first season doing draft sickos. Yeah. And we have segments now, Maxwell, where we're opening with what we're calling winners of the week. Even last year or last week, we called it weekend winners. So we're still tinkering a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's the experimentation it, phase of draft sickos. Absolutely. And that, and it's fun. It's fun. Mm -hmm. But we're going to open with a, a big winner uh, in a little frame. We're going to be talking about <laughs> Rob Dillingham of the Kentucky Wildcats, yeah. Maxwell. He against Kansas. So a real basketball game here. At 18 points, three assists, two boards, two steals, two turnovers, five fouls. He was 6-12 from the field, 4-5 from beat, 100% from the free throw line in just 16 minutes. And then he follows it up with a 20-point outing against Stonehill with seven assists, four boards, two steals, three turnovers. He was 7-10 from the floor, 3-6 from deep, 3-4 from the free throw line in 24 minutes, Maxwell. What did you think when going back and, you know, intently watching him for this show? Uh, whoops. Uh, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. uh, whoops. Because yep. we came on the show and I've, I've like, kind of, I, I don't like to, you know, I'm not someone who, I wouldn't say like I'm a guy who slanders prospects. Like, I don't take any joy. In being <laughs> like, I think this kid stinks. Like, that's not what we do. Um, but with Rob Gillingham, I was, I was very skeptical of him. Uh, as a one and done prospect, and I really did not think that he would be good this season. To be frank, yeah, I, did, I thought it was going to take him some time. I thought he was so small, such a narrow frame. The shot selection just gets out of control. I just thought he was a guy. Um, I'm trying to think of like comparisons in recent years, but just like a guy who might be a little too wild. Zakai Ziegler, maybe. From, yeah, like, the, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Like again, like different player type, but I, like almost a guy that he would have his games where he looked awesome, but then other games like the team is competitive and it's like, Hey, this is not your role. Like you need to take a step back. Yeah. Instead, it looks like he's kind of the guy. Like it feels like he's like a big part of the engine uh, of this offense here so far. Um, I think where I really underrated him was I thought he had moments as a passer. I didn't think he would be this reliable. It's like a table setter and passer from the outsider. Yeah. But yeah. So I want to just start off by just acknowledging that I was wrong. And I think it's a good thing for evaluators to do that. Um, I take a lot of pride in, in guys that I get right, but you know, sometimes you're just immediately wrong. And I think the, the best thing and most honest thing intellectually to do is just say, Hey, I, I think I might've been off on this guy. So um, the biggest thing for Dillingham, and I think the biggest reason he's had real success is that he can really shoot the ball and he's very quick. He is lightning, yep. lightning quick. Um, and he's really good at generating space east, west, and backwards. Um, he's really just able to get advantages off of that. And I think the other thing that he has done really well is the way that he's played ball screens differently. Um, I think a lot of guys that sort of get the bucket getter reputation, um, get it because they're tough shot makers 
and with Dillingham, I think he is a tough shot maker, but I think sure. he knows how to get himself easy looks too. Like he'll reject a screen. Um, he'll come off of it. He'll reuse it. He'll find ways to, to just make stuff difficult for the guy who's trying to guard him. So I, I think that that's something that really stands out is that there's a lot more. I think when a guy is a hooper, a lot of times you don't like to give him credit for the smart things they do on a basketball court. And Dillingham does a lot of smart stuff as far as finding ways to set up his own looks. Uh, he's also just a little bit more selfless and savvy as a, as a passer uh, than he probably got credit for from like his biggest detractors. Cause like I still had him yeah. up in the second round. Like I thought he was fine. And like anytime a guy, like some of the shots he was making in some of those OTE games last year, it's like, well, he doesn't stink at basketball. <laughs> like there are guys, there aren't guys that make those kind of shots that are terrible. Um, I don't know um, how much I like some of the heat check shots he still takes. And like that stuff still has to be kind of curbed. Um, Cause I think that's the stuff that would be a little bit dangerous as he scales up uh, to the next level of competition. My big concerns with him is that he still is very small. Like, and I hate to keep yeah. harping on it, but like in the article with the SPN, I think Cavoni mentioned him having like a sub six, two wingspan. Um, he did foul out, I believe in the Kansas game. And a lot of it was yeah, like, five fouls, yeah. they weren't great. Like they were just like him, like gambling for steals and not in like, a, Ooh, he like got the ball, but like he kind of touched the guy's wrist. It was like him, like running into a guy trying to jump a passing lane. Like they were not good yeah. fouls. Um, only 12.9% of his half-court shots have come with the rim as well. So it is very perimeter-oriented. And if you're going to be that, you've got to really, really shoot. I think he can. I think that's definitely a possibility. Yes. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, he can shoot it from way behind the NBA line. He knows how to set up his looks there. His release is very fast. So scaling up, like, it's not going to be a thing where he has to change his shot very much. He can just keep doing what he's doing and has had great results with. Um, but I do think he's ahead of schedule. I thought Dillingham coming into the year was probably a multi-year guy. Um, I think there's a lot that needs to be short up on the defensive end. I think especially when we get into the heart of conference season, I, I'm really worried about what that rim pressure is going to look like. Um, but he does have enough speed that I think if he does fill out, there's a chance I could turn around. So definitely a guy I'm going to have to reassess the next time I, I tinker with my board because given how things are shaking out, you know, I, I think I had him around 54, 55. He's probably yeah. higher than that. That's, that's ultimately where I ended up moving him up to is around that like mm -hmm. late second round range for myself, Maxwell. And I know that there are probably going to be people that feel one way or the other about where I have him. right. There are people that'd be like, well, yeah, but the frame and then there'll be other. Yeah. But the production. So I'm trying to like slowly, and I've been saying this uh, all preseason, I'm going to hold true to it. I'm going to let these sub six, four guards continue to prove them, prove me wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And so far, so good. Like you mentioned, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A lot of I know that you mentioned wrong. that uh, you want to admit that you were wrong. Maxwell, I want to admit that you were wrong too. I'm not ready to admit that I was wrong. <laughs> yes, so, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not ready for that yet, but um, I do agree, man. He's very omnidirectional on offense with the ball in his hand, you know, a, a jitterbug, right? Like he mm -hmm. just kind of glides all around the court, uh, good speed on the floor, Good understanding of the scouting report. Uh, even though Dewan Harris hit like a crazy amount of three pointers and hit a career high against Dillingham, I still feel like the approach to Dewan Harris is the way that they deed him up, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, you kind of have to live with the results uh, with that. But I thought that he didn't just hug up on him. One thing that I mentioned with how Isaiah Collier last week on our week one show, Maxwell, is that I wonder what the scouting report is going to look like throughout the year. 
Um, but I think as we speak, Collier is hitting like a, a crazy amount of threes right now. So uh, there's that. But I but back to Dillingham, I think that he has good vision on the floor. Uh, he has a tendency to to dip his passes in sauce. You know, he's a lot of fun mm-hmm. to watch. He won't just make like a straight chest pass, which uh, is, again, fun to watch. I don't know how functional it's going to be uh, throughout the year. He, but he can hit moving targets while moving. And we talk all the time, Maxwell, about how hard that is when you're a table setter to do all the variety of passes that that he can do. One question I want to ask you just real quick. Uh, did you have him pegged as like this table setter, though? Like I didn't I didn't have him pegged as like a yeah. I, I wouldn't call him selfish, but I don't think that mm-hmm. I would classify him as like a, a pass first or pass friendly guard either coming into the year. Yeah, I thought he could do it. Like I'm going to I kind of want to pull up. I, I remember like putting something specific in my notes about it. There was something along the lines of like when he looks to do it. He can. Um, yeah. But I, he, it wasn't there all the time. Where was it? Uh, feels like it could really work when he's looking for his teammates was the exact phrase that I that I had <laughs> in here. And like, that's what's happening. Like when he's when yep. he's kind of playing with that open mindedness. Um, yeah. Good thing. Good things happen. Yeah. And but it's all going to come down to the defense for me, Maxwell. And like, I feel like he knows his limitations. That's why he tries to jump these passing lanes. That's why when a big man like catches an entry pass and he goes to face up, like Dillingham will like jet down to the block and try to like wolf it out from behind. Right. Um, Screens are going to hurt his positioning. I think that that's like a given, but his, his relocation ability, like playing off of people. And I think, one thing that when we talk about like these kind of score first, shoot first guards is that they have to do it with the ball in their hand. But I was really impressed with his relocation ability. You know, he was seven of 11 this past week from deep. Um, he knows that he needs space and he can use his handle, create that separation. I don't know how I feel about the finishing technique. And that goes back to something that you just talked about earlier. So I won't pound that into the ground, but he has a ton of fun when he has it going though, you know, like, very fun to watch. I love his energy. He shows like a real excitement for his teammates when they have it going. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the one question that I had, you, you've you kind of answered, like, are you considering him as a real draft candidate this year? Uh, yeah, more so than I was before. I, I still really want to see what it looks like once we get to conference play. And like, obviously he had a great game against Kansas. Like, I don't, I don't think conference play is going to get here and he's going to suddenly fall off the face of the earth. Right. Like, the guy can clearly yeah. really put the ball in the basket. Um, I just want to know, yeah, like how often is he going to get downhill? What is it going to look like when guys start playing him tighter? Like the screen manipulation stuff is good. And I think it's really important because I think eventually guys are just going to like cover him from really far away and really put their chest on him and make him yeah. make him work to separate versus like kind of giving him any space, um, which he's getting right now. I also really want to see what the defense looks like in conference play because like you mentioned, like screens are going to be a problem for him. Yep. Our team's just going to run him into screens a lot. And I also just wonder too, when they play teams that are a little bit more active off the ball with stuff, like even in the Stonehill game, he got backdoored quite a few times. Like yep. the awareness is going to have to be there all the time at his size. Um, so yeah, I, I'm still a little, I just feel like he has to like, it's a healthier skepticism than like, a couple weeks ago, where I was like, nah, I'm, I'm pretty worried. I feel like he does have to, like, pull out all the stops, though, on defense. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that you can tell him to, like, play a guy straight up. I think that's why he kind of 
does the gambling stuff like uh, like how I mentioned like he will if the ball is leaving someone's hands on the way to the big man in the in the block he's going to go down there and try to harass it out because he's just he's limited in help he's limited in deny you know and then in man he's going to get picked a lot so I think that he does kind of have to be a little bit of a of a trickster on the defensive end to really uh hold up but I don't know we'll see man but again like I think from where he was coming into the year to where he is now, he's been a pleasant surprise to both of us. Yeah. There's not much more I could like realistically ask for from him at this point. Yeah. Uh, so Cam in the chat just asked uh, about uh, Carlton Carrington. Let's, let's get to him. So Ooh, buddy. Okay. Sheesh. Okay. So he Carlton Carrington is a six, five freshman guard at the pit, uh, which like, by the way, one of my favorite teams to watch so far this year, this team is a blast. Um, he came out of the gate. He had a triple double in his season yeah. opener, which is not a thing most freshmen do. Not the thing really anybody does in college basketball. It's very rare, but he did it in his debut as a freshman. Uh, and then this week, two big outings, 19 points, seven assists and four rebounds against Florida Gulf coast against Jacksonville, 17 points, four assists and three rebounds. I believe he's at like 25 assists to four or five turnovers so far this yeah. season. Um, so he has been kind of like the big surprise production freshman where just like was not a guy that was on any top 100s I'm aware of uh, to start the year. And it's no. very clear that like he's he's really good at basketball. <laughs> um, I think I might be a little bit more skeptical of him than some of okay. our other people on this F. So I kind of want to let you lead off on Carrington, uh, who goes by Bub, by the way, which like little Bub, a little Bub. elite elite name uh but let's let's get your thoughts on on carrington first well first off i just want to say that metcalf did a great job of like fully encapsulating uh an entire featured piece on on little bub carrington for no ceilings um which is free for everybody like that article is free so please go and check that out um but very long i believe his listed height maxwell is like six five and he to use the cup analogy, right? Like he's spilling yep. over at six, five, right? Uh, love is shooting motion. Uh, ball comes softly off of his hands. I can't get over how satisfying Maxwell it is to watch him at the free throw line, just flick his wrist. Like it is, it is so pretty. And I know that's kind of nerdy, but whatever. Um, I love the fact that he can get his mid range off of a dribble and pull up with the ease that he does. Like that is a very, uh, Hey, I'm ready to be somebody's shot selection that he has when he does it. And he and he does it really nicely, man. He sees the floor well, can can make a multitude of different passes, um, does nice things away from the ball with the pit offense. And again, you know, with this kind of uh, jumbo creator profile that he has, I think that the immediate, you know, um, preconceived notion that people can have on him is that he is a very ball dominant guy. Pittsburgh is so fun to watch, man. They are they have so many good players. Ishmael Legit, who I love from Rhode Island last year, is, is doing a great job. Hines looks good for this team. There, there's a lot of really talented players. So Bub couldn't be in a heliocentric offense on this team if he wanted to, but he he is so invested in doing things away from the ball, too. He's capable of hitting a shot off the catch, and it looks like he's able to do it off of movement as well. He drives with a nice cadence, Maxwell, and like he keeps the defense honest and guessing. And that's something that stands out to me for like a lead guard, especially in the NBA, is like you have to look different than anybody else. And I think that that Carlton Carrington is doing that this year, man. 
Um, I wouldn't classify him as a shooter, but isn't afraid to shoot. And he's shooting it well. Like he shot 50% on good volume this past week. Set screens, uh, does the grab and go stuff very well, does like the hit aheads. His length helps him on defense. There was a number of times I think that he was like focused too much on his man when like the action is happening away from him and help where he had his back to the ball a lot, which I think that you fix that kind of stuff and that only helps your defense, obviously. I think, Maxwell, that there's a case that he is going to be this year's like Kobe Bufkin, maybe even on steroids to where mm-hmm. no one was really expecting this. Like, you know, select people were privy to him coming into the year. Like he was obviously a freshman with good size at a guard position at a D1 school. So he had a lot of attention, obviously, to that extent. But I think a, like as a draft community, I think that we're looking at someone who's going to be like the next Kobe Bufkin, like I said. And I think that it's important to know that Kobe Bufkin was a guy that everyone like gradually warmed up to last year. And I wonder like, is it overreacting to call him like a safe bet now? Because everything that he's doing, and I realize that he hasn't done it against big competition yet. The process looks good because it's not just like, a singular skill or like a singular move that he's using. It's like the totality of his game that just looks so good. Like I have him at 13. I bumped him all the way up to 13. I I, I believe in him, man. And I just want to know, like conference play is going to tell us a lot and it's coming quick. I just, he looks really good, dude. He looks really good. Yeah. I, so here's where I'm at with, uh, with Carrington, I I do think he's clearly a, like I said, clearly a very good basketball player and a like legit NBA prospect. I think to say he isn't would be like just foolish at this point. Um, he does look his height, like you said, and he looks long. Like that is yes. the other thing. Like the first time I threw on like one of those games, it's just like his arms are down to his knees. This this guy's gonna have a a pretty strong plus wingspan, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um. The guy that he reminds me of and why I might be a little scared Uh-oh. is a guy that like we both liked, but just has had a real hard time acclimating through summer league and the other part of the season, which is Jalen hood. Shafino. Um, okay. He's got a lot of poise operating out of a ball screen. He doesn't get sped up. He's always in control of the tempo. Um, I think one thing he has over hood. Shafino is I, I kind of like his handle a little bit better. He stays really yes. low to the floor with the ball. Uh, so it's just tough to get in on the ball. Like he's not getting swiped. Like a big part of the turnovers is like, yeah, he's a precision passer who like knows where to find guys, but like there's not a ton of room for air as, as far as like coughing, coughing it up. Um, yeah. I like how he's able to use his footwork and his dribble moves to weave through the paint in just ways that aren't totally conventional, like not in a set play fashion that forces the defense to have to communicate a lot and creates just defensive gray areas where it's like, wait, do I, what was that? Do I switch that? Am I coming on to him now? Like, what, what am I doing here? Um, is Metcalf noted in his piece. And I think this is a huge part of his game is the deceleration is really potent. Like he, he comes to a halt really fast. Um, and he's a great mid range shooter. Like even dating back to the EYBL numbers was always exceptional in the mid range. Like this is the mid range scoring. I think is legit. I don't have any questions about that. 
Um, and like you mentioned, like the flick of the wrist is really pretty, but he also like hangs in the air when he takes a mid-range jumper. Like that dude gets up and floats. And it's like one of those video games, like the sports video games where you can unlock a game breaker that moves (laughs) everything into slow motion for a little bit. So you can time something perfectly. That's what it's like when Carrington pulls up in the mid-range. His view of the floor is tremendous. He can sling cross court. He can whip it really hard with his right hand. The phrase like, oh, he takes what's given to him is used a lot, but he genuinely takes whatever is given to him. If there is any opening on the court, he's going to find it. And I think he throws the ball across his body well. Like there are yep. situations where it'll come out of a ball screen and it's not the most convenient angle to pass it, but he's still able to contort his body in a way that he doesn't have to come to a halt or slow down or allow the defense to recover. He's just getting it where it needs to go. Um, my concerns start to come in where I think Pitt is a really good team. And I think that he has a lot of excellent play finishers around him. I think between guys like Hinson, where it's like, that's a knockdown three point shooter, Federico Federico, who's just like a not like big high level finisher, Zach Austin, who can knock down a shot or or finish above the rim. Like my boy Guillermo had a big game. yeah, Yeah. He had a big one. Like there's a lot of guys on this team that can convert. And when you're playing bad competition, I think, I, like, I don't think it takes away from any of the stuff that he's done. Um, but I do think the situation and the fit is really good. Like you're getting yeah. really great, like lateral and vertical spacing playing on this pit team. Like you're getting multiple lob targets. You're getting multiple shooters. Like it is a good situation. Um, but that's like similar to the, like the, what he probably will have at the next level. Right. For like, sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that it's just something that is worth noting nonetheless. Like sure. you're playing, he's playing bad teams. And I think that his fit is probably one of the best in college basketball. And that, that definitely helps him. Mm-hmm. Um, I also worry about some of the defensive stuff. I think he yeah. is long. Like I said, he knows how to stay in front. I think he can give guys who can shoot way too much space. Um, I think that he can overhelp off the ball a lot. I think he can get a little ball watchy. I think that he's a little slower to react to things on the defensive side and he can end up a step behind the play. Um, and I just worry about what that's going to look like in conference play more than like a lot of the offensive stuff that we talked about is like when the game is faster and you're playing, uh, like if you're, if you're covering a Tyrese Proctor, or a Caleb Foster, or even a Jared McCain, who's like quick and physical, like, are these guys just going to really exploit that when you're a step slow? Um, the biggest thing to me, is, well, I guess two, it's, it's basically just like the other two levels of scoring outside of the mid-range. He's taken three shots at the rim through four games against bad competition. Yeah. So is that just him kind of styling and you know dazzling in the mid-range because he can against guys that don't really contest him as well or does he just not get to the rim at all because if it's not getting to the rim at all then we are dealing with something a little bit more complicated and he's gonna have to be a real legit knockdown shooter uh and he he was like a fine three-point shooter coming into college but not a great one and he's hit like all of his threes so far. Yeah, he's so, he's, he's hitting them. 
like the guards that weren't real rim pressure guys in college are guys that were like Emmanuel quickly, who is still really quick and has like a nasty floater. So for him, it was like, mm-hmm. I'm not getting all the way to the rim, but the other guys that we're talking about are really great shooters. Guys like a Brina Forbes, um, a Michael Mulder, an Armani Brooks. And like, even those like just aren't super high outcome players. Now Carrington has sure. length on those guys. He might be closer to a Tyrese Halliburton or somebody like that. And if he's Tyrese Halliburton, then you don't want to really kill him. Be all right. Yeah. All the time. Exactly. Uh, Jamal Murray didn't get to the rim a ton in college. Like there are other guys that like fit his physical profile a little bit more that didn't yeah. get to the rim a lot in college. So I, that doesn't mean everything. Um, but I do, he does really have to hit his shots if that's what he's going to be. And he has been, right? Yeah. And I think, yeah. too, that he, like, it, nothing feels forced, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, it doesn't feel like he's turning down driving opportunities for the sake of a bad shot. You know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm like you said, I'm interested in seeing it in conference play. I just feel like, you know, firmly, firmly first-round guy for me right now. Looking at, I, I did a lot of big board pruning. Uh, I, I try really hard not to let like recency bias affect it in, mm-hmm. but there's things that I'm seeing in his game, Maxwell. And like, I am, I am a sucker for big guards with feel, with poise and that herky jerky motion. That's why I was a big mm-hmm. Cody Williams guy. And he's been looking pretty solid so far at the beginning of this year as well. That's why I did like JHS, like close to top 10 last year. I just feel like, Carrington checks a lot of boxes, man. And like, I just, I want to, I do want to see in conference play, but it just feels like the process of what he's doing makes it realistic for me. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel fluky based on what I'm seeing. And that's where I'm at with him. So I want to throw this comment uh, on the screen real quick here. And by the way, like if you listen to this podcast, like come join us live. We're at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on Sundays it's really great. Like it's so fun to like see yeah. the comments interact, whatever. I think this is like a really interesting point from, from Russell Thomas here. He says, my main issue with JHS was his college shots were terrible, arguably not even much of a positive how many bad shots he took. I think, I think that's fair. Like obviously so far, Carrington has been a much more efficient player than Jalen Hutchifino. My concern is that like, I don't know that these are good shots. Situ- situation. And the too, situation right? is different. Like, it was also way yeah. less, way less floor spacing, less reliable guys around him. Um, like TG Not this awesome, year's obviously. Malik Renault on last year's team either, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was like race Thompson who was bricking everything. Uh, <laughs> like it was just not good. Uh, but I, yeah, I think that's my concern with Carrington is like, if yeah. these shots don't continue to fall, then does it, then does it end up looking like could you know last year he's a little bit better with the ball control like i said i like his yeah. handle better um so that's my concern let's get to it let's let's keep it moving we yeah, got ryan yeah. dunn who we both like a lot so yeah. six eight uh from virginia ryan dunn uh one of the guys who's going to get the old guy knock because i think he's like 21 or 22 or going to be 22 something like that so you know why are we even talking about him yeah. We, so yeah i i've been projected to be in a home and uh yeah. like, you know, so, rocks so uh he against north carolina a&t uh 13 points 11 boards four assists three blocks and two steals uh and then against texas southern 15 points five rebounds four four blocks three steals two assists and a ridiculous poster um I want to lead off on Ryan Dunn because I'm really Please. fired up about this. 
It's Ryan gonna take Dunn, me a while to stop if I start, so go ahead. I think, yeah, I think you're screwing up if Ryan Dunn is not like at least a top 20 player on your board. And I I'm saying top 20 in like Steven normal Lowe. year standards. Yeah. So when we're adjusting for what we're talking about this year, I'm probably talking lottery. Um he is so big, so strong, and so high motor. He is a late growth spurt guy, and it drives me nuts that every year we keep seeing these late growth spurt guys like a Ben Shepard, like a Jalen Williams, like a Trey Murphy go later than they should. And people not understanding that there is more of an athletic curve in front of them. And then they end up being awesome. Uh, Oh, Giannis Anjadinkupo, another late growth spurt guy. His situation was way different, but uh, Ryan Dunn is Giannis Anjadinkupo. Yeah. Ryan Dunn is going to be seven one (laughs) in three years. Yeah. yeah, Giannis is a ridiculous outlier, but um, physically just built for the NBA. Last year, like through the clamps on Jalen Kloss, uh, Slauson during the beginning part of that uh, Furman game in the conference tournament, smaller players are just puts him in jail. Uh, he knows when to gamble and makes a ton of plays off the ball. I've seen the knock that, like, well, he gambles a lot, and you know, I don't know how that's going to translate. I, I think he's a much different player than Tari Eason, but that was a a big part of why I may have been too low on Tari Eason, right? It was like, oh, he's Jamie gambling Daniels all the time. Too. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, well, he gambles because he knows his physical capabilities and he knows when he can get to a ball. Um, he is so good with rotations. He makes tremendous reads on passing lanes. And when he knows that you can't take it, he's just going to impose his will on you and make things happen. And I think that his balance rotationally is exceptional. Um, just... Uh, everything you could want on the defensive end. He's going to stay in front. He's going to lock people down. He's going to be able to guard a lot of positions. <laughs> he's not yeah. going to get bullied by anybody. And he knows what is happening on the court. Offensively, I think is where I might be a little bullish with Ryan Dunn. Uh, great finishing tools. Mm-hmm. He is like a Mack truck when he drives the lane, but also still has some, some real like nice deceleration to him and stuff like that too. Uh, can really like stop on a dime to like finish with a little bit of touch. If it's not going to be one of those big highlight dunks that everybody has seen on Twitter, he has great finishing tools, like just between the power and the touch. Um, But he's a really good dump off passer. Like he, again, like I think Ryan Dunn is a really smart basketball player. And I think when guys Mm -hmm. can, can gamble on defense, sometimes that gets lost. Um, But he's really decisive. Like he, he moves the ball quickly. He moves it and makes decisions like an NBA player. Um, the shot isn't good yet from the outside, but it looks a lot more traditional than it did a year ago. He doesn't have like the frog legs motion with his arm. Um, I, I, I like the, 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 just the look of it. Um, he's taking them like even in the Texas Southern game, he moved into one of his shots. Like he came off of a ball screen and just launched, which I like to see. I think that's a great sign. Um, so let's say we're being pessimistic and Ryan Dunn can't shoot. And he gets to the NBA and the jump shot just isn't falling. I don't think it matters. I think Ryan mm-hmm. Dunn, if you look at the kind of guys, like just I'm gonna name I'm gonna name some guys real quick. They're just like guys who've been around for a little bit in the NBA. Like we're not good three-point shooters in college, uh, just off the catch. Um Anthony Gill, Pascal Siakam, Derek Jones Jr. Isaac Okoro, Nasir Little, Delano Banton, O'Shea Brissett, uh, Lamar Stevens, Daniel, uh, Daniel House doesn't really count, uh, Scotty Barnes, uh, Jalen Brown, Najee Marshall. A lot of those guys are guys that are athletic, really physical, really strong. Uh, that's Ryan Dunn. 
Uh, I think Ryan Dunn is a smarter player than a lot of those guys. I think Ryan Dunn is a better technical defender than almost mm-hmm. all of those guys. I think at worst, he is a rotation player on good teams simply because of how good the defense is and how good the feel is. And I think if he does shoot it or just become an average shooter, you're off to the races. Like you've, you've got a legit awesome starting forward on, on your hands. Um, I I'm really, I'm just really optimistic with Dunn. I think the floor is as safe as anybody really in this draft outside of like Alex are, uh, I think yeah. the floor is really safe and I think the upside is, is really serious. So I'm very in on Ryan Dunn. Yeah. And, and the thing that stands out uh, and Resball, you just joined in. Uh, yes. Unfortunately we let off with uh, Rob Dillingham, not unfortunately that we let off with him, but you, you did miss our discussion, but you know, uh, we we can we can hit some cliff notes or whatever and or just go back and watch the beginning of the show either way um but maxwell back to the ryan dunn conversation while he's putting up really good numbers like he's put up 28 points on 10 shots right that's mm. ridiculous for any prospect like any let alone a guy who we're considering to be a little bit of a question mark on the offensive end while he's putting up these solid numbers you have to like feel Ryan Dunn as a prospect in order to like really appreciate him. You have to like dive into the film. And once you are like, do not make plans for the rest of your day. Like I will just watch defensive clips of him for fun. Um, He's big. He looks like an NBA player, not afraid at all of contact. And I feel like he makes very decisive moves when he's around the rim or away from the ball. Strong frame allows him to absorb contact while continuing to shoot his shot. And he does convert at the line. Like we're talking about a guy who is putting up, I believe his free throw rate right now, Maxwell is like 115. Like you're talking about a player who put, and they've had real games. They played Florida too, right? Puts real pressure on the rim as like a supporting cast offensive player. Uh, He's a threat to rise over the top of the defense. He has good athleticism. I wouldn't call him like, a freak. It's not like a Sar Thompson or anything like that, but a very skilled, fluid athlete. Um, the shot isn't where I would want it to be. He was one of four from deep over the week, but I am buying the improvements. I do think that there are good touch indicators there. Um, makes good reads while not being a creator. Had seven assists to one turnover. Yeah. And then in, that's just like the concerns that we have on offense. And then I'll just quick hit these because I'll spend the rest of the podcast just talking about his defense. But he's a defensive genius, man. Like he mugs the ball, um, slides with his man, makes brilliant rotations, like not even being hyperbolic, makes brilliant rotations, excellent ball tracking. It's impossible to move him off of his spot, um, pushes the break, wants to turn over his force. He's a monster on the glass, too. He had 16 rebounds over those two games, Maxwell. And that's the rebounding rate. We talk about it a a lot on this show, Maxwell, because I feel like, you know, hashtag, you know, love rebounds. All NBA players that are worth a lick in the NBA have really good rebounding rate in college. And that's exactly where Ryan Dunn is right now. How high is too high for him, man? Because right now he's leading the team in scoring while being fourth in minutes per game. He's taking five field goal attempts per game and he's averaging 10.8 points per game. He's leading his team in scoring 
while being fourth in minutes per game, and he's not even like a top end offensive player. He the ceiling the ceiling on this guy is insane, Maxwell. We're talking about a guy and like push the age aside because I I regret every day of my life not having Keegan Murray higher because I was too tripped up about the age when the production said, hey, he's really good. He just got better later on in life than some guys do. Ryan Dunn is a physical force with outstanding defensive technique and really great feel for the game. And I don't know. I get that he's a little bit older, I just don't know I how do many not guys care. it's like I, I can put ahead of a guy like that. I don't know how many guys I can put ahead of somebody with an NBA body with the level of defensive production who I firmly believe is like a really smart basketball player. I he's eighth on he's my board be, and like I, yeah, I, I really say, wanna I he's gonna be top ten. I just I don't think there's gonna be that many guys better than him that that are in this draft class. Like even calling him lottery, like I'm I'm in my feels like let it be known that Stephen Gillespie of draft sickos is in love right I am in yeah. my feels I I could be blinded I I honestly don't care because the defense the rebounding the feel the process even with him being like a not good offensive player he's le- like he is dis- he's telling the world you know shout out to Shout out to Chuck from Chunky. Yep. When a when a player is telling you that they are great at basketball, listen to them. Mm-hmm. Ryan Dunn is great at basketball. Eight even might be too low. Like, like we could look at guys like what Ron Holland, and I'm not shutting a door on anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at it. Look at a guy like Ron Holland. Look at a guy like Justin Edwards. Uh, you know, Alex Sar has his limitations. Isaiah Collier. You know, we've talked about him. Like. The door is not shut on this man being a top five candidate. The door is not shut on this man being a top three candidate. I wouldn't dare say that he is like number one right now. I'm just saying like, do not put any sort of barricades in front of this man's draft stock because he might have just as high a ceiling as anybody else in this draft class. Yep. Yeah. I I, I really think that's spot on. Uh, we're going to get to Reed Shepard now who is like the opposite end of the physical spectrum, <laughs> but just as fun as a surprise. Uh, yeah. So he was really good in the game against Kansas, 13 points, one assist, four steals. Um, and then against Stonehill, 25.7 assists, three rebounds and three steals. Um, he was a guy who I think was like a four-star recruit. His family's got all these ties to Kentucky basketball. Uh, expected to kind of come in and like, probably play a little bit this year just be a nice little role player and he showed up and said uh no (laughs) he is through four games averaging three steals and 1.5 blocks he is a six foot three guard um the big thing with reed shepherd is the defense he is able to play so tight at the point of attack he just presses right up on people in a way that you don't normally see uh russell thomas here notes reed shepherd is interesting to be able to if you can maintain a super high steal rate average 4.4 steals per game in high school uh That's so good. he's got a track record of it um <laughs> he's really good at reading the opposing offense ground coverage is better than what you would think for like a 6-3 guy who's just like a yep. good mid-major college basketball athlete and not a great one or a horrible one uh, always talking on that side of the floor. His feet are so good. Really good at staying in front. Very clever with his hands. 
great at tracking the ball, which is how he gets the block numbers that he has. Um, just like a lot of want to and discipline with the hands and feet. It's all hands and feet with them. Um, offensively, it's like where I've been kind of surprised. I thought that the shot was real. I thought like this is what he'd yeah. be. I thought he would play pretty hard and shoot. Um, I did not expect the shot to look quite as good as it does. It looks like a yeah. like an NBA guard shot. Like it gets off fast. The prep footwork is really clean. He can hit it from NBA. There's no dip on it. When guys are going under screens, he's pulling. He's got a lot of confidence. Um, he's got a little bit of like rip and go speed. He's not like blazing. He's not super strong. So like going to the basket, I don't know how much of a threat he is. As a passer, I think there's some interesting stuff. Makes the quick skips on the perimeter. Um, knows what type of pass to throw. There was like a, a play in the Stonehill game where he made this bounce pass against their zone that like fit perfectly yeah. through like a tight window that was there. Uh, so I, I like that. My concerns with Reed Shepard are like, I don't know how often he's going to get into the heart of a defense, especially at the NBA level. Like even against Stonehill, a team that's playing a zone, like just myself as a guy with, with athletic limitations on a pickup basketball level, right? Like I know yeah. when a team is in a two, three zone, I can attack his zone and get where I want. And like, even against Stonehill, he wasn't always like getting into those seams when he was attempting to. Um, I don't know how much sauce he has with his handle. Like, I don't know who he's going to break down off the dribble. And obviously like the point guard, the traditional, like quote unquote, like point guard, like smallest player on the floor position doesn't necessarily need to do as much like breaking down guys off the dribble, but you kind of need to be able to do it. Like there are times still where a team will just default to the point guard at the end of a clock yep. to run a ball screen and create a little bit, bit of something. And if guys are going over, I, I just don't know like how much, he has like if he's going to be chased off the line by NBA teams. Uh, and then I worry about the frame and the speed, like scaling up in competition. Cause again, like he, he did really well against Kansas's guards who were legit guys, but yep. um, NBA is just a different level, man. And I'm, I'm way more open to the idea of Reed Shepard. as like a one time, which I did not think I would have said a couple weeks ago. Uh, I still hope he takes his time at this point yeah. in the year. Maybe I'll maybe I'll, I'll change my tune on that like a month or two. But I just think with how high the barrier to entry for guards is, if you're not like cutting into the defense and your handle isn't that great at that size, I worry about it. Like that to me is the difference between him and a Bub Carrington where it's like they have different rim pressure issues, but I think Bub at least has the tools to get in a lot more, even if he's not the same like jump shooter. And if we're gonna do the the fun thing where you know we we compare white college guy to white NBA guy. Like, let's just say it's TJ McConnell, right? Like that's like the default Mm -hmm. white point guard that everybody goes to, right? It used to be like a Luke Ridenour. TJ McConnell was very shifty, like very, very shifty with the ball in his hand. And I think that's kind of like undersold now from what we're used to seeing, you know, with him being like the, uh, the consummate third backup guard for Indiana for like the past 20 years now, it feels like, but Reed does do a lot of good things on the defensive end. And I think it was dirty dancer in the comments is like, I don't know how he does it with the tools that he has. That's kind of where I'm living too, man. Like he competes really hard on defense plays with smart hands, like uh, can poke the ball out while still maintaining good position. He doesn't do like the, the wrap around poke out or anything like that. He's very fundamental, but uh, slides his feet 
he does kind of have a tendency to overcommit a little bit, like when coming off of help. But we're talking about a freshman guard who's not, um, I, I would say, like doesn't have like the most prominent tools. Solid on closeout, good court awareness uh, on the offensive end, and you know, capable of moving the ball. I just don't like. I don't know that I would say like he's a primary initiator right now. And like Kentucky has a few guys where it's like everyone is kind of combo guardy, kind of point guard by commission, and it kind of works. And we're even seeing that like trend in the NBA as well. So I don't even know if that's necessarily a knock. Um, he does move well. I'll insert the sneaky athlete discussion here. Uh, pretty yeah. good shooter, you know, can't leave him open. Uh, good enough handle, but nothing worth gushing over. I think it's very solid. Uh, very, I don't know if it's like, it's like, I don't know, like a butter knife, right? Like you, you're not using it to like for everything, but you know, if you want to like make toast or whatever, it, it, it works. Right. Um, but he does play with the poise Maxwell of like a super senior, right? It feels like mm -hmm. I'm watching a, an Archidiacono from Villanova when I'm watching him, like very smart, very intelligent, very capable. I just want to know, Maxwell, like what is the line from a very, very good college guard where that's where we're at right now with Reed Shepard? Like what is the line between a very good college guard and an mm -hmm. NBA point guard? Like that's ultimately where I think yeah. that discussion should be. I think, yeah, I think, and I think in his case, it's a lot of it's just like attacking and, and getting inside. Cause like I, I think he knows yeah. how to pass. I think a lot of it is just comes down to physical tools because. Um, I'm going to throw this comment up here from Owen. Like, I think Reed is more of a two than a one. I, yeah. I in like dirty dance. It's like separation creation. Like that's a big part of it. Like, I just don't know who he's separating from at the next level. And if you, okay. Yeah. So then if you say, okay, well then maybe he's not a one, then maybe he's a two. Like if you look at the two, is that are around that size? We're like, if we're, if we are assuming he truly is six foot three, like he, like even a guy like Skylar Mays, right? Like he's 205 pounds. He took a while to like get his handle going and like, he really figured out the playmaking stuff and that took him a while. Um, a guy like Keon Ellis, like is still not a real rotation guy, but he is a ridiculous athlete. Um, Peyton like, Pritchard. Is that who we're hoping this dude ultimately becomes even like Peyton a little Pritchard, bit? Like Peyton Pritchard is like a real athlete. Like Peyton Pritchard. Yeah. Like I would bet his vertical would blow reads out of the water. And like, I bet he's probably, probably. a lot stronger than him, probably faster he was able to separate and create threes for himself in college. Like yeah. a lot of these guys and like, even like a, like a Tyrese Maxey at six, two, like he's played minutes at the two, but like he is blazing fast. Crazy like, athlete. Crazy yeah. Athlete. Like I, like the guys and like, even like a Drew holiday, like all the guys that are that size that play the two are either crazy fast or just like hulkingly large. Like they are yeah. uh, a guy like a Gary Payton, the second, who's like very physically imposing, very long. Um, and yeah, a vertical like, freak too. Like he would get over the top yeah, of people or, before all the injuries. Even like yeah. an, and even like an Anthony Simons has like a super plus wingspan, even if he struggles yeah. defensively. And like think about how good of an offensive player Anthony Simons is. Anthony Simons out there dropping 20. I don't think I don't think Reed Shepard's doing that at the next level. It took like, him a couple of years to even be able to do that too in the NBA. Exactly. It wasn't like year one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I like I think Reed Shepard's great. I think it's really exciting that he's doing this. I don't think he should rush it. I, I think just like with yeah. where the league is, I think college is a great place to just like, we talk about it all the time, like explore that studio space. Figure yeah. Out and, and I just, better. 
I just want to put out like if for anybody to know Sailing Plus and have access to like all of our personal big boards and you're going and looking, I don't have him on my board yet. Like I'm going to be pretty patient with like ranking him. And I say patient in terms of like here soon, we'll probably have to like do some more cool stuff for the website. So ultimately my, my patience will be, will be um, alleviated very soon. But like, I'm not in a hurry like I am with like a Ryan Dunn or like a Carlton Carrington to just be like, I I've seen enough Reed Shepard to where like he has to be in this range. Like I'm going to be a little bit more sober uh, on my approach with him. Fair or not. Like that's just what it's going to be. For sure. All right. So we're going to take a quick break after this. We're going to get into some feature focus. Uh, so stay with us and thank you so much everyone in the chat tonight. It's been a blast. We appreciate yeah, for sure. that energy. We're going to be right back here in like two seconds. So just hang with us. All right. So it is time for feature focus and we are going to lead off with uh Steven's guy who you've got an article about coming out on Tuesday uh, he is Marquette's Cam Jones. Cam Jones has had uh, he had a, first off he had a really great year last year, right? And like mm-hmm. a slid under the radar. Uh, now back for his junior season, and boy, has he come out of the gate scoring. Uh, six foot four guard um, was all Big East last year, and it just seems like he's taking a real step forward. So what kind of made you want to write about Cam Jones, and, and what are you seeing in his game so far? Well, yeah, and just real quick for anybody who's listening, uh, obviously this this podcast is going to drop for people who aren't joining us live. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to drop Monday, and the article is going to come out Tuesday, which is going to leave out the big Monday night game. So, like, I don't know. I could either it can either be a curse or a blessing that I'm writing about him mm-hmm. uh, at the time that I am. But, dude, I I've talked about it a little bit uh, over at NoSailingsNBA.com for 100 percent free. You should go check it out. Uh, I wrote my rescoutables pieces and in, in that, when I broke down the backcourt, like Cam Jones is one of these guys that I just, I fell in love with the film, like the film aged really well. Um, and since the article is dropping, I don't want to share too much because I feel like a lot of my commentary will carry over. I just want to mention though, man, that like he's a floor spacing guard. And in another one of my pieces I did where I look at like the hit rate for player types Floor spacing guards are their hit rate, their rate of approval is pretty high, right? Like look at what a guy like Marcus Sasser is doing in the NBA. And I'm not saying that Cam Jones is Marcus Sasser. I'm saying he spaces the floor similarly, right? So the the hit rate for these guys are there. It's a proven commodity. He's a proven commodity from deep. Like he is a career like 38% three-point shooter. And he takes it on good volume. And this year, where he last season, where he was kind of more like the, I would probably say he was like in terms of scouting, probably third or fourth on the team last year. He led the team in scoring. This year is kind of very similar, where he is like graded as excellent across the board in so many areas. He is like taken this year by storm, like multiple twenty point per game or multiple twenty point outings, um, like the assist rate, the uh, the assist to turnover stuff is looking really good. The steal rate's improving, but that shot is money. And I think what would surprise a lot of people when I'm talking about a guy who's like a floor spacing guard is like the inside stuff is looking really good for him too this year. And the pick and roll stuff is looking pretty good for him too. So now that he's taking these areas and is improving and he's playing on a really fun Marquette team where 
Corey uh, talked about Chase Ross as a guy to look out for, um, maybe a multi-year guy, maybe a this-year guy. Uh, Tyler Kalk looks good. I know a lot of Oso Igadoro fans out there as well. Cam Jones is like a real dude this year, Maxwell, that isn't getting a lot of buzz. And I'm just trying to trying to nudge him out there into the open and get the discussion going about him. Yeah, I, he's really interesting. I He's a guy I struggle with. Um, just because I, I don't know. I'm sort like, he's sort of an and what else guy for me to a point, but like the, what else is like solid? Like, it's not a guy who it's like, Oh, all he does is score. It's like, yeah. okay, well, he's really good at scoring. He's really good at scoring at the rim. Uh, he's pretty, he's pretty good at pressuring the rim. Like that was the thing yeah. that, that leaped out to me uh, kind of doing preseason prep this year was this is a guy who was really efficient at the rim and got to the rim quite a bit like uh 27.5% of his half court shots were at the rim which is like a it's a good mark for a guard prospect but he made 66.7% of his shots at yep. the rim which is like an elite number like that is what um guys guys like uh that were that finished that clip generally don't get to the rim as much as him it's guys that rarely got there it's guys like a like a Lonzo ball or like a Landry Shamit or like a Jalen Brunson, like guys just like weren't true rim pressure guys. And then if you look at the guys that were rim pressure guys that finished like that, it's people like Derek white. It's people like Gary Payton, uh, Gary Payton, the second it's people like Dante DiVincenzo and Aaron Fox. Like that is a really, really strong clip uh, to finish at the rim, especially when he has like the kind of jump shooting shot making prowess that he's got. Um, but I do think I do think the biggest thing is like we've just got to start talking about him um i think he's got a yeah. little bit more craft it's kind of like we talked about with dillingham too where again a lot of times you talk about guys as a shot maker and i think people just imagine a guy shooting over a hand and that's not what he is like there's some rejections yeah. there's some hesitation to him uh what really has stood out to me this year that feels different than last year is this craft on drives and how he looks things off really yeah. getting his eyes in his head uh to fake defenders get to his spots he's reading the game quickly He's getting to spots uh, well and efficiently, and he's just more creative with his with his head and his shoulders and his passing deliveries. Like the assist to turnover ratio stuff is going to be really interesting to monitor because against Illinois, like yep. that was the game where he didn't do much as a playmaker. Uh, but he's got a you know three three assists per game through three games and one turnover, and that's it. Like, is that going to sustain itself throughout the season? Is probably one of my biggest questions for him. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I thought something else that I really stood out with the finishing too is that he used both hands at the Rambian Illinois. Yep. He does still force some bad shots, which is another reason I'm a little bit worried about the assist to turnover stuff. Um, and then on defense, like, I just, I always struggle with Marquette guys because it's like you're going to really defend in that system and how much of that is a product of the system that you're in and how much of that is just like, Hey, he can really lock guys down and really guard. Like, I, I do think he's a little bit in a positional struggle where I don't feel good about him playing the nominal one the way I do about a Trey Alexander, where it's like, I know you can really run a ball screen and find the right guy and make the right decision. I'm not there with him yet. So if we're playing him at the two, then it's like, all right, well, you're a little bit undersized. I wish I felt a little bit better about the defense. If you're going to be that there's just less margin for error. And maybe he's a sure. four year guy at that point, which if he is, that's fine. Um, and again, I think it's kind of like we talked about with um, Carrington where it's like, are the circumstances almost too ideal 
where it's like you can really score and you get to do everything second side, whether it's off of Kolik or if it's off of Oso, you kind of get to be the third guy. And, you know, maybe if you're number one, some of this uh, attacking downhill, getting the rim stuff doesn't look quite as good. So those are my hangups with Cam, but I'm not putting down the phone. This is me yeah. kind of going, ah, do I put down the phone? Do I wait till next year to take this call? Uh, but I think he's interesting. And like you mentioned, like, I think it's just a guy that it's really important to start thinking about um, because he's a guy I, I could see going again. Yeah. And I think too, you know, just to kind of put it out into the universe, like I have a second round grade on him, right? Yeah. So not, not sitting here saying like beating down your door, like asking, you know, are you drafting Cam Jones? Do you have Cam Jones in your first round mock draft or anything like that? But I think at this draft, right? Like you have to like really look at the fact that like proven commodity from deep, like, three years proven commodity from deep has shown improvements each and every year from the decision-making playmaking aspect and the same thing on the defensive end, right? So you have an upward trajectory in the areas that you're concerned about, you know, for a fact that he's going to be able to space the floor, right? And he has good size depending on like, you know, depending on your lineups, right? Like if you have a team where you're, kind of super weenie adept in and you have a guy like cam jones to kind of open the court up for them like he has real gravity to open up these pressure guys right and that's what mm. often is about to me is like pressure and gravity you have you have a proven commodity that can do one of these things in a cam jones so like this year why would you not want to take that guy in the second round yeah the way that you were just talking about that fit it makes me wonder about like would it seem like toronto be interested in yeah. this type of player where it's like we've got these guys that can pressure the rim and it's like maybe we just want like we can get away with playing one guy who's a little bit smaller and maybe it's just a guy that gets buckets like maybe that's what we need from that position and we we use the fact that we've got all this wing size and rim pressure and everything everywhere else and this guy's just here to alleviate everything for them and they can kind of cover rim on defense a little bit if that scale is an issue um but if he's guarding ones i don't really worry about him a ton uh still got it like we said like he's one of those guys where i've got a watch him closer with the scouts eye on defense because yeah. I've been so much more focused on, on Oso and Kolik. And I think Oso's looked a little better than I thought. I, I wasn't a huge Oso guy. I basically wrote a piece about him last year being like, wow, he's really talented. I hope he goes back to school. Yeah. Um, I, I think he looks better. I still worry about the fact that he doesn't take shots at all. Uh, but I think he looks a lot better physically. Like he definitely filled out his shoulders. Look wide. He's taken off from further away, but but yeah, I do think, yeah, I, I think there are circumstances where a Cam Jones could work if he went in sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any, any closing thoughts on Cam? Uh, no, just, uh, all of it? I don't want to, like I said, uh, you know, go, go read the piece. I, I break down in particular, I'll say this, his finishing, I think, you know, uh, the, the discourse that we're having now, like there's mm -hmm. reason to believe in the finishing, right? Because it's so good. It was good last he, year. Yeah, he, he went up against uh, Coleman Hawkins recently, like mm -hmm. went up into Coleman Hawkins and finished through him. So if you <laughs> one, that should tell you what you need to know about Cam and two it should tell you what you need to know about Coleman Hawkins as a draft prospect this year as well. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of sneaky in on Coleman. I like uh, Coleman at the combine. I'm holding on. You're going to have to help me. You're going to have to help me a lot with him. We'll like see. I, he, he just tumbled. He tumbled down. <sighs> My board, he, was, man. he was out of control in that Marquette game and it broke my heart because like I had so many defensive concerns about him and then at the combine he played such good defense that I was like oh we're 
we're in business. He's just got to settle down a little bit. And then like the first tough test, it's like five turnovers. It's like, of course, yeah. Uh, that's the Coleman Hawkins experience though. And that's why he's just probably a second round guy because it's, yeah, that if the consistency was there, he would have been first round pick last year. Uh, for sure. Anyway, let's talk about PJ Hall. who's kind of from like a similar cloth in a way. Uh, PJ Hall, uh, 610 senior out of Clemson. Um, just a guy I like weirdly thought about quite a bit last year. So there was someone that I spoke to that works in like the college basketball side of basketball, like not a draft person at all. Uh, and this was like a year ago. This is before the season last year. Uh, I was talking to him about just like ACC basketball um, because I was picking his brain about a big man in the conference. And like he kept mentioning PJ Hall in a sentence with like other guys that were going to be pros in the league yeah. and i was like am i like I-, I liked pj hall but i was like am i missing something with pj hall so he was the guy i wanted to monitor last year and like out of the gate he's injured like he is on a minutes restriction like his counting numbers are are kind of dampened and like i don't know I don't really pay super close attention to clemson uh but in the games i watched i always thought he was a better pro prospect than hunter tyson because i thought he was bigger than him he moved better than him whatever combine season gets here hunter tyson has a you know awesome game at portsmouth and then he's good at the combine but pj hall is also good at the combine and then hunter tyson gets drafted 38 and i'm like well wait a minute i always thought (laughs) i always thought pj hall was a better pro prospect here and i just hunter tyson just got drafted ahead of him so like what's going on and i was like all right i'm gonna make sure people stop disrespecting pj hall in my immediate circle and i'm gonna stop doing it so I put PJ all like 50 on my preseason board. Like I'm going to give him some love. And it just felt like all of the buzz that he built up, like in his combine iron shook went away. Like he's just not yeah. on boards. And like, there's reasons why I understand it. Right. Like he's, he's sort of like a, a four or five tweener still. He's old. He's a senior. He's a little bit boring. Um, but I think if you just look at his numbers on paper, they kind of understate what he's capable of. Um, absolutely and, and his numbers year, are good already yeah that's the thing is like this year <laughs> the numbers are popping so like this year i think it's it's sort of uh what it should be as far as as far as the numbers go so biggest thing about pgl that i like first off is he's got an nba body he's 610 uh measure with like a 7-1 wingspan about 68.25 i think i mentioned him as 610 i think this is called the college type yeah but in terms of like nba guys Physically very comparable to uh, what Jalen Williams on the Thunder, big Jalen Williams measured in at, similar to a Daniel Tice, uh, a guy like Rashawn Holmes. Like th- that height and weight and length is not a death knell. It's not a death knell to be 6'8.25 uh, with a seven foot, you know, seven one wingspan when you are that thick. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's a really good thing he has going for him. Um, he has been really aggressive shooting threes so far yes. this season. So he was just a hair under 40% last year, but the volume is lower this year. He's moving into a shot. He's a great pick and pop guy. Um, I think the biggest thing I like about PJ is that he's a really versatile screener. So when he sets a screen, first off, he's making contact. He's using every bit of that meat that he's got on his body. He's laying <laughs> it in and then he's either popping and you've got to worry about him as a, as a three point threat or he's going to the rim where he's got real pop off two feet. He finished like 68% of his shots around the basket last year. So there's a real nice inside out component to his game. I think at the NBA level too, there's going to be more that he can do that. He doesn't get to do at Clemson. Uh, He can run zooms. He can run uh, handoff situations. 
he can set ghost screens, just stuff that he hasn't really gotten to do at the college level that I think he could easily do and things that you see uh, more frequently in NBA offenses. I trust him a lot as a passer. Uh, last year, I liked the passing quite a bit. Uh, but again, it was just one of those things where it didn't really show up in the numbers. This year, it's showing up a bit more in the numbers early on in the year. Uh, sees the floor really well, whether it's around the basket, operating out of the block, whether it's from the three-point line. Uh, but I think he's going to be a guy that you can short roll, especially if you're running like high, high pick and roll and you're dumping it to him and he's at the three point line and he can either shoot it or he can, you know, attack. And, and like, there's just going to be a lot that you're able to do with him. Um, defensively, I think the role is a little bit murky because it's like the four or five question. I think it's going to be situational based on who else is on this team. Um, but I think yeah. he can do a little bit of both. I, I think that his room rotations have been much better uh, early on this season one thing that really stood out with me is he's probably not somebody that you want to like, he's not going to succeed if he tries to meet everybody at the rim, but he's really good at getting in lower on the ball. Like he's good at knowing like, all right, you're going to go up. I'm going up, but I'm going to try to block the shot. Like when it's at your chest or chin versus blocking it. Like it's not like the, the, the Lonzo, like I'm getting in at your waist, but he'll get yeah. in like lower and on the point of the ball. So he doesn't have to meet you up top, which I think is great. Um, and then I worry a little bit about him in space because sometimes he's a little bit flat-footed. I don't like his forward-backward movement a lot. Like, I think he can be a little slow to, like, lunge forward when he has to. Um, but he slides really well. And when I wonder how much that is, like, role and engagement. Because he had a clutch block against Eric Gaines on UAB at the end of that game. And Eric Gaines is one of the best athletes in college basketball. Absolutely. So it feels like he's capable. So I just wonder if there is, like, a Jalen Williams, a Daniel Tice, um, an Aaron Baines type of mm. role or career in front of PJ Hall. And if we're overlooking it because he's kind of like the senior that doesn't play at a powerhouse program, but you look at what he does and how well he moves the ball, how quickly he sees the game, how physical he is, how he can shoot it. Um, and then like the better moments of the defense, like I think the defense needs to get better. I think he needs to get a little bit lighter on his feet, but I think that's something that happens with guys at the next level. Um, I think there's a good chance he could have like a nice, long, productive pro career. And I think if I'm a winning team, like the Denver nuggets and how they drafted last year, this is a guy that I could see in the second round and say, Hey, maybe, maybe we bring that guy over here. But and even I if it's a the team that likes to play bigger, like a team like the bulls where it's like, they just have no size. Like, at the four or five spot it's like yeah bring him in put him along booch or drummond it's something like that and then that's a nice little second round fine even if it's not a big upside play like i there are teams that could use a guy like this or if you're like the boston celtics who i think have like five first round picks and they want to play five out all the time like yeah. this is a guy that could step in and, and do something like that and what's interesting about this class maxwell is like Guys like uh, TJ Salon or uh, Alex Tuhi like kind of mm -hmm. fit a very similar type of mold. So it'll be interesting to see like how the laundry shakes out a little bit when we're looking at like the collective talent of this draft. But I'll let you know, man, like I have moved PJ Hall like during my latest big board prune, like up to like 39, mm -hmm. you know, and this was a guy I had in like the 70s. And, and like you mentioned, man, like I loved seeing the buzz that he got last year. And that he come back with it because I have no doubt that if he would have stayed through the process, went undrafted, like he would be on a two way contract, like yeah, yeah, yeah. easily, he would be one of the first guys that get that gets a call. Right? There are questions uh, about the athleticism and the defense, but I think you know, obviously, he's like a very smart defender 
relies on footwork and effort, which goes a long way for him. You know, handles pressure very well. One thing that I liked about him on offense is like the the scouting report for Clemson is stop this guy and you and you you'll win the game, right? So <laughs> he gets flanked a lot, especially against like some of these like you know lesser teams, and he handles the pressure well. You know, out of the mid post, the high post, the elbows, the low block, like. It doesn't matter where he's getting the ball. You trust him to make the right decision. And we're talking about a center, like a 4-5. And I'll have you know, too, that for the article that I wrote, Maxwell, and I ran this Bartorvik query for Cam Jones, like 12 people popped up. And we're talking about, like, usage. We're talking about shooting. We're talking about assists. We're talking about efficiency. And they're all guards, right? And even Tyler Kolick, you know, Cam Jones' teammate popped up. There's one big man that popped up on here, too. Mm-hmm. Any, any, I mean, I'm sure I believe it's PJ Hall. Yeah. 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 Every Everybody sees where I'm going with this, right? Like, PJ Hall is doing things that, like, is very unique for his position. You know, uh, he's also, again, a very good rebounder, has good strength, has a keen awareness of both, like, where to go to box his man out and also, like, where the ball is going to come off of the rim, which is, you know, very, very savvy for a player like him, right? Um, decisive whenever he is getting into his offense and making moves in the block. He doesn't, you know, even, I talk a lot about how guards do like the stop and survey or like wings. Big mm-hmm. men have a tendency to do that. Like, okay, like where's this guy at on my back? Where am I going to lean? Anything like that? Like he, PJ Hall has it all figured out already. What makes me believe in his NBA stock is how active he is on both ends of the floor. And this is what NBA teams are going to want a big man to do in, in the league, right? He sets screens, he can hand the ball off, he posts up, he attacks the glass, and he slides his feet on defense. Oh, and he can shoot a three ball too. Like, yeah, He checks a lot of boxes. And for that reason, dude, during my latest shuffle, I, I moved him all the way up to like that 38-39 frame. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to put a cap on his ceiling, man. I just think that he's like too talented, too smart. There's just so much that he does well on the floor that an NBA team is going to, especially a team with multiple second-round picks, who have championship aspirations, maybe like the Boston Celtics, would would be pretty comfortable, would sleep well at night bringing in a guy like this to their program. For sure. So we are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to do the sicko session, go through yeah. some work. We've got some really fun guys this week, so stay with us. All right, so it's time for the sicko session. I'm going to lead off on on this week's uh, with Kerry Booth at Notre Dame, six ten freshman who I am going to rocket up my board the next time I make a board. I mm-hmm. I'm in, I'm in. Six foot ten, potential three level scorer, uh, thick but real explosion off one foot. Great hands for lobs. He's got a mid range pull up. Hits tough ones on that part of the floor. Really great three point shooter, even in the face of a closeout. Uh, but if you do close out, first off, great pump fake. Little, uh, little Sir Jabari Rice to his game. Uh, can put it on the deck. He's got some shiftiness, which is exceedingly rare at 6'10". I don't know how many NBA players that are 6'10 that you can describe as shifty. But that's what Kerry Booth is. Um, yep. The other thing I love with him is I just like, I put in my notes like the ball stays high all the time. Whether it's off the catch, this isn't a dip. This is a, I'm catching it. I'm going pretty straight up with it. If it's on the interior, it doesn't come below his chin. He keeps it up, goes right back up with it. Uh, Dirty Dancer asked in the chat, is this Calvin's kid? Yes, it is. This is the son of Calvin Booth. Uh, he is so decisive 
for his age. And that doesn't come without flaws. Like there are times where a guy will spring open and like he made the decision he's shooting it <laughs> or like, Hey, he made the decision. He's going all the way to the rim with this one. And he, it doesn't matter if he's sprung open, but I love that. I think it matters a lot. He is not like we just talked about, not a guy who stops and surveys. He is going to play the game fast and he's going to play it confidently. Uh, and I still think he has some moments as a passer. I, I, I think it's a workable thing for him. His arms look long. I like his motor defensively. He stays big all the time. Like his arms aren't coming down. He can explode through him for blocks. I think there's some technique improvements like we talked about with Tyler Smith. Like he doesn't stay super light. Like sometimes you can tell he's kind of sitting on his feet a little bit too hard. Yeah. Slower than he should because of that. That's not a deal breaker for me. Um, he's going to have games where he goes quiet. Like he had kind of a stinker against Auburn. This Notre Dame team, to be quite frank, they're going to be really well coached. Like Michael Shrewsbury is an awesome coach. They have no talent. Like I shouldn't say no talent. That's rude. Um, they're they have they're bereft of talent. Low level of talent for a high major basketball program, right? Like yeah. They it was just a tough situation. It's like a new coach, so all the freshmen decommit. They go somewhere else. A bunch of guys transfer out. A lot of the good freshmen or upperclassmen at Penn State were graduating or going pro once he did get like Nijay's injured. So it's just like, ah, oh, like just a really tough first year situation. There's going to be games where he's not getting set up, which when you're six foot 10 as a college freshman can make life really difficult. Yeah. He is like not awful. I'm going to have a first round grade on him. If he stinks the rest of the year. Okay. Maybe I'll back off this one. I just think the skill set is really rare. And I think with how decisive and confident and how hard he plays, it gives me a lot of optimism about what he can be. But I'm probably going to have Kerry Booth top 20 the next Wow, That's my board. So Kerry Booth is the guy I'm really in on. Uh, where are you at with uh, with Kerry Booth? Well, I- I'm not top 20. Um, That's more than I'm, fair. I've, I'm top 100. Okay. I'm top 100. Um, and real quick, uh, I know that Joseph Saunders uh, asked this question last week. Maxwell, and he's asking again. Joseph, I will let you know. I will volunteer one of my sickos for next week. We will talk about Jadon Ladee from San Diego State. Ooh, he, so he good. will be here next week. So so tune in for that. I will, I will, I will do that for you, brother. And thank you so much for your support. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Kerry, uh, good size, uses his length to be destructive, particularly around the rim. Love the block rate, especially for a freshman um, at his age. For it again, like at the school that he's doing it at, is very impressive because I don't feel like there's like a great infrastructure around him to. Yeah, there's no reason for him to be this good uh, as a shot blocker in the situation that he's at. Right, um, runs the floor well. I wouldn't say he's explosive. It seems like it takes him a little bit to get going, but once he does get going, it, he he looks well. It just like it takes a little bit for for him to, to get started. Um, but beautiful sh- shooting motion, dude, like the, he's a knockdown shooter. Right. And I think that that does need to be respected, especially at his height. Um, he competes on the board, needs to get his strength up as most young players do. Um, I think that he also needs to improve his screen setting. I think that that will help him out a ton. And it may not even be fair to talk about setting screens, with Booth, especially if he's following up uh, PJ Hall. So, you know, take that yeah. with a little bit of grain of salt, I guess. Um, I'm not a ball handler, right? But I do trust him to do the two dribbles and then make a decision, right? Which is yep. important for, for a big man. 
I think because of the the shot blocking capabilities that he has, he's been baited into fouls, but that just might be youth, right? And that could be be coached out. That can be a number of things, but I do feel like he can be deceived into some pretty, some pretty bad fouls. Um, But he does appear to be a good communicator, right? Like, and I do love the talking. I do love the intensity that he has. And again, offensively, if you're able to shoot, you're able to make quick decisions at his position. That that's definitely something. Um, was a player that I had bordering the top 150 um, again on my big board last week. I definitely have had him come up uh, from like teetering around the 150 range. Now he's firmly within my top 100. So we're talking about a like 50 spot jump just after a couple weeks. He has a path to the league, even if it's not this year. And I think that that is saying a lot based on what the expectations were coming into the year. But definitely no uh, no ceiling uh, to, to where his stock could be in a draft like this. For sure. Uh, so let's go to your guy, Ezra Sark. Give the uh, quick sales pitch on, on Ezra Sark for those who are unfamiliar. Yeah, so Ezra Sark out of ECU. Uh, Big man. I, I put that he's built like a transformer. Like he looks scary. Not a guy I would want. <laughs> yeah. Not a guy I would want to stand in front of if he's running down the court. Um, and I don't think that defensive had so far either. You know, he puts a ton of pressure on the defense, has drawn 19 fouls in three games. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's, That's pretty yeah, good. That's nice. Yeah. The problem is though that he's being 50% from, from the line when he gets there. Yeah. So yeah, he kind of has to get there a lot to, to get the points <laughs> up. But mm-hmm. Offense is not where we're selling this guy and kind of similar to Ryan Dunn in that in that regard where the offense is not the selling point because this dude is just like a hoss on the defensive end. You know, um, first off, he crashes the glass. He sets screens, plays hard. Um, he has an intensity on the defense that is going to get him a lot of attention. I just think that, you know, he slides well. He closes out well. He switches well. He's got the frame and the strength that I think that he could truly be like a one through five defender, which puts him in a draftable range for me this year. Like definitely top 60 because of that. Like if you can guard one through five, like comfortably, there's a spot for you. Right. And again, you know, young man, freshman, small conference. We'll see how it looks against better competition. But on the offensive end, he is 80th percentile around the rim. He has two for two on his jumpers per synergy, but uh, definitely some uh, some touch questions there. I just think I just think that he might not be a one and done guy because like there's so much promise and area for growth around him on the uh, offensive side of things. But he is a real NBA athlete. He is a real NBA defender, in my opinion. And that has to account for something, Maxwell, like. Do you see him in the NBA at some point, or is it like more long term than it is short term? I I got to think longer term with him. So he so he is a sophomore. Um, oh, sophomore. So excuse is, me. Yep, yeah, you're right. So he is. So he is to your point, like just so large. Like he's six. Yeah. I think six nine, two forty is what they got him to say. Yeah. Like, but he looks bigger. Like he looks like a linebacker. Like two forty seems low. I so I am more like wait and see with Ezra Saw. Yeah. I want to see like where he's at a year or two from now. And even at the end of this season, um, he was a name uh, that because I, I I did uh, Brandon Johnson on that team for no sudden turn. Like I saw him a little bit. I do think he's already taken a pretty substantial leap 
from where he was last season. And like the minutes yeah. aren't that much different, but it's just like he's getting to the rim a comical amount. Like you said, like he drives so hard and he's he gets up really high. And I know he's missed his free throws or whatever, and he wasn't a good free throw shooter last year either. But like his touch around the basket is kind of soft. And I feel like maybe yeah. that could change at some point. Um, can put it on the floor a little bit, real quickness for somebody that large, really good screener. Again, like this is a guy that's going to knock people on the floor if they run into him. I do think to your point, I think the defense is like, it's, it's pretty nuts. Uh, yeah. Really able to switch on to anybody at the college level. Like there's nobody that I'm like, Oh, I don't know about that matchup for Ezra. So <laughs> like really sticks to smaller players, kind of like a, more of a deterrent around the rim than a guy that size should be. Uh, people are going to have second thoughts going up against them. Uh, really wide in his stance in a good way. Like sometimes you see a guy who's like standing so wide that they can't move. And that's not the case yeah. with Sar. Like he's just really imposing. He does bite on a lot of stuff. I, that That's fine. Like he's, that's, sure. he's going to, he's going to play himself uh, past that. I just worry about like what the offensive role at the NBA level is. Cause if he passed, I would feel better about it. Um, yeah. Real negative assist to turnover ratio guy. Um, that development would make me open to him in a way. Um, he's not really a willing shooter. So I'm trying to think of like a better comp, almost like a guy I see who, like a semi Ogilvy, right? Like yeah. Boston Celtic, like, Real offensive concerns, but like had a had a cup of coffee as like the Giannis stopper stopper for a little bit in the NBA because he was such a talented defender, but again, upperclassman too, right? So uh yeah. yeah. Um or like I'm trying to think of guys that uh almost like in that trend in Watford kind of mold. Where like Watford mm. was like a really good free throw shooter and stuff like that in college, but it's just like all right, we well, were really big and like you, you know what's going on out there. So, like, if he could pass, like, Trenton Watford, which is, like, that's a huge gap, right? Like, Trenton Watford could, like, really gotcha. put on the floor and had, like, genuine guard skills. But, like, if he could pass, then it suddenly becomes, like, he's big, he's physical, he's tough, he can create a little bit of stuff for other people. Um, I just think it that size, it gets a little bit tougher. Um Yeah, I, I do think there's a real possibility for him if, like, some of the feel and play making stuff gets there uh or yeah. even like almost like a guy like paul reed can be used at times like alongside another big when when philly goes too big lineups uh yeah well, i think, I think that's that's for him. yeah yeah i i think like that could be kind of the path for him um it does require a little bit more shooting it requires a little bit more playmaking but i think he could get there uh because yeah i mean like you said like there's not a lot of guys to defend like that like there's just not that's why i have him like like mid to late second because oh, wow like, okay yeah gla glaring glaring offensive deficiencies right but like mm. this year's draft if you can guard one through five like why am i not why am i not spending Take a the gamble round? you're in the g league and see where it goes yeah like okay let's get you in into some offense well yeah like you said g league at his position like he should be able to get like real developmental minutes in the G League and probably put up like big like people at this size guys and athleticism. Well League. Yeah, exactly. It's smaller. Like build like your confidence. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I that might not be as 
it's like because yeah. I was thinking I only thought about him longer term, and it's like yeah, maybe if he if he has like if he's if the year ends and he's averaging like sixteen and six like he is right now, that it it it's not out of the question. I don't think. Um, so for my next guy, I got Tyler Perkins from Penn. This is a guy I think is going to take a while. Um, but I like really Tyler too. He's good. Thank he's, you for bringing him up. Yeah. Yeah, he's six foot four. Uh, looks actually six foot four. He's a lefty. Can really pull up from deep. Really good off the dribble shooter. Anytime guys are going under, he's taking it. Got that mid range separation bag. I love again. I'm just a sucker for guys that know how to like use fakes to get to their spots and play ball screens in different ways. But I think what separates a guy like Perkins from a lot of other players is just like the amount of junk he's got to him as a shot maker. Like he, um is really good at going to his right and still shooting with his left. Like just does stuff that a lot of guys don't do. That's like a little bit funky and makes him a little bit more difficult to guard. Um, I think if you were to like try and sell somebody, I'm like Tyler Perkins might be a one and done. What you would point to is that he has got that Brandon Pajemski rebounding junk to him. Yeah, He's averaging like seven and a half rebounds per game gets in on the offensive glass and the defensive glass. He loves to compete with physicality. He's going to screen. He's going to bully smaller players in size, like inside. Like he is going to play really tough basketball. And like they played a Villanova team where like Villanova is not like tall, but everyone on that team is meaty and at least six foot four. Uh, that's the yeah. second time I've used the word meaty on this episode today. A lot of but meat on this pod. Today, a lot of yeah. meat. Uh, but yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's a hustle player. He's going to make plays in the gray areas. I don't love the defense. I think he gets out of position off the ball sometimes. Uh, and the passing has to come along. Like he is negative on assist to turnover ratio through five games. Um, that has to change. It's like if we're talking one and done, because like mentioned he rebound like Brandon Pachemski. He's not passing like Brandon Pachemski. <laughs> that's that's yeah. a pretty key differentiator between the two right now. Uh, the other thing he does that drives me nuts is like he'll he has like weird dribble pickups where like he'll just pick up the ball for no reason and then like get swarmed. It's like oop, don't want to do that. Keep that thing alive or move it. Don't just pick up your dribble in the middle of a heavy traffic area. But what, what are you thinking about Perkins? I mean, I, again, a guy that I wasn't like not really tracking at all, but when I, when I put on the film, I'm like, Ooh, this is a good one. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you, Maxwell for dropping this name. Like you said, good positional size, like seems every bit of six foot four. And again, like seems long too. smooth shooting motion, man, smooth shooting motion. Uh, seems like a guy who can move the ball around. Well, I think he fits a uh, pin system, which is uh, very fun to watch, by the way. Um, and like you said, I, I think that he does need to improve like this decision making. But I, he seems like he like functions well in a pass offense. You know what I mean? So um, smooth athlete glides through uh, glides around the court, uses his length. Well, like does a lot of good body shielding stuff whenever he's getting to the basket. I really like. The defense is a little bit more of a hard read because a lot of the stuff that I watched from Penn was like two, three zone, which can be a little bit deceptive and like the ability to be able to pick up the defense, but he looks good in a two, three zone. So it's not like Mm -hmm. he's a a bad defender in his own defense. Um, I do like his effort on the glass. He looks to push the break a lot whenever he corrals the rebound, which is fun. I think his handle is good. Like he can get to where he wants to go. The finishing can be a little bit weird. He doesn't seem like he knows what to do 
or what he wants to do when he gets there. And it could be like kind of herky jerky in midair. And then he just defaults to the left hand. It seems like he's hesitant to really explore the studio space finishing with his offhand, I guess is like the best way I can put it. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately, man, like I liked him a lot, um, especially for a guy who wasn't like really on my radar. Now I'm going to be monitoring him a little bit more. So I appreciate you dropping the name. Yeah. And you had one of those guys too. Uh, which is uh, Duncan Powell at Sacramento State. Yeah. Um, give give people the, the run through on him. Well, first off, man, um, and this is very fitting because uh, our guy Corey uh, at No Ceilings, I sent out like a beautiful tweet earlier today, like encouraging us to be uplifting and and reaching across, not fearing, you know, uh, you know, working with the quote unquote competition or anything mm-hmm. like that. So. Uh, Duncan Powell from Sacramento State is a guy who um, Nick Crane from Draft Digest like put me on, and I got to meet Nick over at the uh, the OTE. Uh, it wasn't the pro day, but it was whenever you know the the um, Boozer Twins came in town, and so yeah. I got to meet Nick and talk to him a little bit. And Nick was like, "Hey, this is my sleeper. What do you think?" And then in doing the research for this guy, Maxwell, like this is a guy who suffered the same injury that like Lonzo Ball suffered, except now he's oh. playing basketball. Yeah, so like big injury, oh, right? Yeah, key difference though, the playing basketball part. <laughs> yes. Playing but yeah. he's playing basketball. Um mm-hmm. was supposed to from a lot of accounts like supposed to have gone to play for Arkansas. Um but he ends up getting injured. He commits to North Carolina A&T, which is an HBCU. Mm-hmm. Um was actually featured in like a a, a cool documentary. Um, was featured as like one of these guys who's supposed to be like a rising star for the HBCU and like really draw a lot of attention. Um, played played really well. His uh, his you know the year that he was able to come in off of injury uh, said that he was feeling like himself again. And now he goes up to Sacramento State. He's six foot eight, two forty. He's a 60-40-70 guy shooting splits. Uh, leading scorer for his team in three out of four games. And he's played Maxwell. He's played Nevada, Stanford, Pacific Union, and Tulane, right? So that's a respectable opening stretch for for that program. And he's averaging 16 points, 11 boards, two and a half assists, right? So when watching the film, he does appear to be playing underneath that six foot eight frame. But in talking with Nick, man, he's like, he I've seen him play in person. He's at least six foot seven. So okay. I, I trust that, right? Um, he has a pretty good handle for like what I would call like a complimentary player. And it's weird that he's like scoring as much as he is because when you watch the game, it doesn't feel like he's like, gimme, gimme, gimme. You know what I mean? Like plays well within the the system. Um, I would say athletically, he doesn't have a lot of lift, which kind of limits him. But I don't know if that's like coming back off the injury. Like maybe he's going to get a little bit better over time. But he puts a lot of zip on his passes too. So like these two and a half assists. I think that you kind of prorate that a little bit if he's uh, given a little bit more higher usage. He gives me a lot of Jared Dudley vibes, man, because he's like he's a reliable shooter. He's a glue guy. He's not like uber athletic, but very strong. Uh, competes on the glass, moves the ball well. Really unselfish guy. He just does a lot of things really well, and uh, was a pleasant watch for me. What did you end up thinking about him when you when you put on the film? He was yeah, he was interesting. Like I I thought. Yeah, I like the height was it weird because you think Kevin Cross, who's like listed at six eight, and I've always thought it's taller than six foot eight. Uh the two lane game was the one that I watched. Uh yeah. Uh 
the shooting touch is like really interesting. Like he can definitely put the ball in the cup and like he's got a shot that like he shoots it off the top of his head, but it doesn't feel like it's a bad shot. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't look the most yeah. traditional, but it, it like the touch on it's really good. Um, yeah. Like you mentioned, the competitiveness on the glass really stood out because Tulane yeah. is like a team where it's not traditionally tall, but they've got a lot of really strong physical players on it as a big yeah. rebounding game against them. You look at, I didn't see the game against Sanford, but 13 rebounds against a team that has like a seven foot one guy and a bunch of like six, eight guys on it. Like the rebounding is real. Yeah. Um, I thought the passing was pretty interesting too. Like he, he had a couple rough turnovers in the two lane game, but like he sees the floor really well. Like, I think that mm-hmm. might've just been like early season kinks at a new program, like just kind of getting used to guys. And I think he's smart too. Cause I thought one thing that stood out in the two lane game was how well he knew the scouting report. Like he was guarding every guy exactly how they should be guarded. Um, mm-hmm. I love how when he cuts, he cuts deep on the baseline. Like he cuts behind the defense. He makes sure that he's getting that clean look. Like, He's not going to risk like somebody feeling him out when he's cutting, which I, th- I think is huge. Really good vertical pop. Um, offensively, I think he moves really well. I didn't feel like he moved as well defensively, but again, it was one of those like how much of this is just because you're the star player on your team kind of things. Um, yeah. It was like a little choppy on his closeouts at times, but like I said, he knew the scouting report. He's, he's another kind of wait and see for me because he's clearly been really productive. Um, the big sky has got some dudes in it. Like the big sky is a league that like between Weber state, Portland state is five and oh, which like I was not anticipating, but even <laughs> a team like Eastern Washington, which is like, they're Oh, and four to start the year, yeah. but they've played a murderer's row and Cedric coward is averaging 15 points per game. And like, is just an absolute dog and has like some Javante green. And I'm like, you're going to be able to see him play real teams. Like you're going to be able to watch him play against like really solid, legit players. AJ Allen from last chance. U. he's had a really hot start for Portland state. Cedric coward is like a similar size to him. Eastern Washington always has a lot of Scott size. Dylan Jones is going to play his same position. There's going to be games yeah. that if you want to touch base and watch what this guy's doing, you're going to get to see him against good talent at his position, even in conference play. So he's a, he's like a wait and see for me, multi-year guy, but there's something there. There's definitely something there, especially if the efficiency holds. Yeah, and again, you know, we're talking about a former D1 recruit, like going to a, a pretty a lot of high, high major offers. I pulled up yeah, the 24 7. It's, it's, yeah, it's Arkansas, like you said, it's Ole Miss, it's TCU, DePaul. Like there's, yeah, there's a, he's a out of, of Dallas, Texas, like played for a powerhouse. He's been extremely well coached, like everywhere he's been. And again, man, like this, uh, this uh, dirty dancer in the comments says you guys must, must watch every single game. I, you know, you know what? I don't. And like, this is a classic case, Maxwell, of like prospect sharing. And that's exactly what, what Nick did for me. Uh, he put me on Duncan. He even gave me a lot of the bio stuff that, that I, that I mentioned in today's show. So he said that he was going to be tuning in and listening. Cause I told him I was going to be name dropping him. but uh, Nick, man, I appreciate your brother. And uh, you know, hopefully I'll be able to return the favor as much as you did for me on this one. So we uh so let's do just quick one for the road. Who do you want to throw out there just real quick is a is an interesting name. I kind of already opened with it. I'll just double down. But uh yeah. Pacomi died at out of um ULM and then uh Lucas Agolan um out of I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the name, but he's he's out of France. If you just okay. it's like Lima Limages or something like that, if you go and look it up, uh playing in the French league, he looks really good, like and really strong. So 
I got two international gems for you guys. Non-zero chance this guy is my sicko for next week if he keeps it up. Um, Joel Scott at Colorado State. I'm going to write that 6'7 uh, strong wing who can put it on the floor a little bit and shoot and defend. Uh, what, what about our, our um, Ivy League brother that that's showing up on oh. all these? Oh, yeah. Danny, what? Uh, Danny Wolf? Yeah. So I wrote about yeah. him a little bit in my column. So, mid major game of the week was Weaver State versus uh, versus Yale. And that dude is interesting. He's seven feet tall, like inside out, kind of has a handle. Like, there was You're in, the, up. in the No Sins yeah. group chat, there everyone was kind of in on this kid. So, I wrote about him a little bit, but it was like a genuine, like, blown away moment because there was a kid, uh, what's his last name? I think it's like Mbang or Miss Bang. Uh, mm. on Yale, who's like a really good defender, and he had a really good game against John Jones. Uh, like he was the guy that I was kind of like coming in with eyes on. It's like I know this kid's a little bit undersized, I know the shot has never been there, but like that's the guy I'm watching. And then, like, by the end of the game, it was like, oh no, Wolf is my guy. Like, that is that is the pro prospect on Yale. And I, I mean, like, if you're going to an Ivy League school, like. If I got into an Ivy League school, I don't think my my family would have wanted me to leave. But like, <laughs> if I I would imagine high major programs are going to see this kid that's seven foot tall with an NBA frame, shooting thirty seven percent from three and putting it on the floor and be like, you got to come over here. Here's five hundred grand. So <laughs> you can still get your you can still get your degree from, from yeah. Princeton or Yale or wherever mm-hmm. you know. Like, yeah, still get your degree, but you're you're gonna put this jersey on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my last one. Uh, so thank you everyone for joining us. We really appreciate it. Love having a super active chat tonight. That was a blast. Thank you all for coming yeah. live. Um, make sure you are following Steven on Twitter at Steven G hoops, Cam Jones piece coming out Tuesday. Uh, follow Can me. we oh. see something real quick? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I, I know that we talked about, it. I'm kind of putting you on the spot so you can yell at me when we get off the line, mm-hmm. but I think next week's show, are we doing like a uh... little different format next week? Yeah. So next yeah. week we're going to do kind of like a, like a temperature check. Would you call it? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Where just, you at segment. Yeah. Yeah. Just on guys that have either not been what we hoped or the opposite, uh, which is actually in a time with my future focus. Cause I'm writing about Ron Holland the week after this. Uh, so yeah, so that'll be fun. A little bit different format change for next week. Uh, just yeah. Seeing where we're at on different guys. So make sure you come back for that. Uh, make sure to subscribe to No Ceilings NBA on this podcast feed, the Substack, No Ceilings Plus for all sorts of cool written projects that we're working yeah. on there. Some interviews going to be there eventually in time too. All sorts of stuff. Um, follow me on Twitter. Really at good Words. collaboration pieces, probably yes. in the works too. That it's going to be yeah, yeah. At No Ceilings NBA on Twitter slash X and all platforms. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you guys next time. Much love, y'all.